0: Okay, let's pray really fast. Dear God, we thank you so much for today. Jesus, we thank you so much that, that God, your grace is amazing. God, we thank you for every truth that we just sang about. Father, I pray that God you bless our time right now. God, I, I know it is no accident that every one of us who are in the room, in a seat, find ourselves here today. And so, God, I pray. Did you know that? But some of you. Because of Jesus, this is as close as you'll ever get to hell. And I'm telling you that you can be released from even this. How? Sign up to serve in Summit Kids. Because the air conditioner works back there. Your kids, oh man, there's, there's, there's straws in the coconuts with the umbrellas. All your kids right now, they're living it up while you suffer. Don't you want to serve? I think my mic just kicked on. Don't you want to serve in Summit Kids, all right? So if you, if, because my mic just came on, if you haven't heard anything I've said... All I just now said was, if you love Jesus, you'll serve in Summit Kids. Let's read. I'm just joking. That's not. That's not. I'm joking. I'm joking. But uh, the area is working. First John chapter one verses five through ten. We're going to read this whole thing just to kind of build some context, but we're really going to be in just one verse. Okay, one verse. I just want to read what's around it, so we'll get it today. Okay, First John one verses five through ten. It says this. This is the message that we've heard from. Him, Him is Jesus. Okay, this is the message that we've heard from Jesus, and we're proclaiming this message to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in darkness, rather, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us. From all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9 is the one we're going to be in all day. Here's verse 9. Watch this. If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make Him a liar. And his word is not in us. Um, let, me, let me ask you a question, um, and, and you don't have to raise your hand. I don't want you to do anything really to answer this out loud. You can answer this to yourself. Um, but have you ever done something and then tried to cover your tracks? Have you ever done that? Right? Have you ever done something and the moment that you did it, you realized that was a bad move or it was a bad decision? Maybe you said something you wish you'd have never said and you did something and then as soon as you did it or a little bit later, you take some steps to try to cover up what you did. Have you ever done that? Again, you don't need to answer that, loud, that out loud, but have you ever done something and then tried to cover your tracks? I was, I was thinking about this for me. I'll share something that happened to me in high school. Um, But uh, uh, I remember when I was in high school, I was 16 years old. Now, you answer this out loud. When you are 16, what is the event in your life that you are pumped about because you're 16, it's finally here, you can get your what? You can get your driver's license. Man, I was in that zone. I was 16. I was going to get my driver's license. And I go and I get my permit and I pass flying colors. I mean, it was amazing what I did on the permit test. And then I go to get my driver's license and I fail the test. I par- you know, parallel parking. Like, I'm convinced that the devil created two things. Spiders and parallel parking. That's what Satan created. Okay, so I, I didn't even hit the curve. I annihilated the curve, okay? And so, so I failed the test. And listen, not only did I fail at that time, I failed my driver's test a total of five times. Don't judge me. What the what? i find something out about you. I'll talk about five times, y'all, five times. And listen, listen. Middle school, high school students, school starts again in a couple of weeks. If you're thinking, what can I do to become very popular and known, I would suggest fail your driver's test five times. That worked for me. That helped my name get out at my high school. I'm just throwing that out there. If it's your time 16, you're, just fail that bad boy a bunch of times, and everybody will talk about you. It will be, um, you'll need counseling. But, um, but I failed it five times, five times times y'all I'm convinced somewhere there is a plaque or a statute for me for the most consecutive failures of the driver's test and I can't really remember which one it was because that season of my life became so dark that it all just kind of meshed together but there was one of the times that I failed the driver's test and, and I was at home alone my mom and dad weren't gone, were not were, were not there and and I was upset I was angry and don't you do your clearest thinking when you're angry right Right? And and I'm sure that we can all relate. I'm sure everybody else is here too. Have you ever noticed that when we're angry, we like to take our anger out on inanimate objects, don't we? Because it's really their fault. You're angry, you punch a wall. Why not? Why not punch the wall? The wall is walling. Punch, right? And so, so here's what I did. I was upset because I was, I was just, I was on fire when it came to failing the driver's test. And I was upset about it. I was, I was just, I was furious. So I was in my kitchen, I was in the kitchen at our house, my mom and dad were gone, I picked up a chair and I threw it. I would not recommend that. I would not recommend that. Don't take notes right now, don't write that down. Uh, Because what happened, I immediately noticed that one of the legs of the chair that I threw went into a wall. Um, Now I knew that was not the right thing to have have happened. That was a bad thing. And and then I also knew something else. I don't know how to fix a hole in a wall. Right? Right? We have three young kids, an eight, seven, and a two year old, and here's kind of the way our house rolls. I'm completely unhandy. If something breaks, either they have to fix it or we learn to live without it. It's worked pretty well. And so I knew I didn't know how to fix this hole in the wall, but I also knew somebody's got to fix it before mom and dad get home. And so I go to the the garage and I just look at things and I say to myself, Self, what could fix a wall? Just grab stuff, and so I just started to grab all kinds of stuff, duct tape and and glitter and all kinds of things, and so I don't know, I just grabbed, because I didn't know how to fix the wall. I'm just covering my tracks, and so I go up to the hole, and I just start putting stuff in the hole and shoving stuff on the hole, and it just gets worse, and I can't fix it. I can't cover my tracks. Finally, mom and dad get home. It did not go well. I think I even tried to lie there, too. Aliens were in the house. I threw a chair. It was crazy. You know, and all this stuff. Uh, dad goes to the garage, gets exactly what's needed. In a matter of moments, the hole is basically fixed. And if you were to go in their kitchen today, you wouldn't even know that happened. But I couldn't cover my tracks. I mean, I, try, I put a lot of effort into making sure nobody knew what I did, and it didn't work. You ever been there? Have you ever done something and you hope nobody would ever know that you did it? Or maybe you're in the room right now and you're doing something at this moment that you hope nobody knows about. And you've taken some steps to try to cover your tracks. You've made up, you've made up stories. You're, you're deleting the memory on your computer because you hope nobody knows. You're just trying to cover your tracks. Or, or maybe that's not it for you, but maybe some of you are in the room, you're not even doing this anymore, you thought you've dealt with it, you haven't done it in years, but to this day, the guilt and the shame that's associated with whatever you did is still just as fresh as if you did it five minutes ago. You haven't done it in years, maybe even decades, but you still feel guilty. Or maybe it's not something that you did, maybe it's, somebody that something, maybe it's something that somebody did to you. And so here you say it, they have, that, that was years fr- removed from today, and you still feel guilty dirty. Wouldn't it be great to to be free from that? Wouldn't it be great to be freed from the desire and the thought of having to hide your tracks? Wouldn't it be great to be freed from that feeling of, of guilt, of shame, of feeling dirty because something somebody did to you? Wouldn't it be great to be free from that? And yes, you can be freed from it. Because here's what I want you to know today, church. I want you to get this one idea. I want you to see today that God has made every provision necessary so that you don't have to cover your tracks and live in guilt and shame. God has done everything necessary so that you don't have to cover your tracks and live in guilt and shame. And he's made that provision necessary in what's called the gospel. Maybe you're new to church or maybe you're not new, but you've heard that word gospel used a lot and you're still kind of unsure about what that means. The gospel, I want to I define it for us. I want to make sure we're all on the same page because today we're talking about the gospel. We're in the middle of a series called Don't Call It a Comeback. And, and what we're doing every single week in this series, the tagline is really old truth for a new day. Uh, really what we're doing every single week, if you want to use the technical word, we're talking about a different doctrine or maybe even theology, something that the Bible talks about that if we get it, man, it would have a radical impact on our life. And so we've talked about the Bible. We've talked about God. Last week we talked about sin. And in fact, just to help us get this stuff even better, we put a book together called Don't Call It a Comeback. It's a journal. It's a devotional you can do every day for the six weeks of this series. Tons of them are out there. And listen, we wrote that book and tried to answer as many questions as a lot of people give us about the Bible or about what Christians believe. Grab one of those on your way out there. You say, it, well, you say, well, there's only two weeks left in the series. Listen, don't worry about it. Get it and keep it because it's going to help you. You might even have friends that don't go to church, don't believe what you believe. I'm telling you, that book that's out there for free on every table is perfect for them. If you need to grab 20 copies or, or tons more... Take whatever you need. Why? Because I'm telling you, that little book can change your life and other people's lives. So grab one of those because we just want you to understand this stuff. And there's a whole week in there about what we're talking about today, the gospel. And see, the word gospel, it literally means good news. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Christianity is about good news. At the heart of Christianity, it's all about good news. And the good news of the gospel goes like this. God made us, but you and I made the decision to live our way instead of God's. God, I'm going to do what feels good to me. I'm going to live my way instead of yours. And what's happened because of that is that we have sinned. We talked about that last week. Sin is the bad news that you have to hear to get to. The good news, we we spent a whole week on it last week. And what sin does, the reason it's so bad, is because sin separates us from God. There's this huge gulf between God and us. And if our sin isn't dealt with, then we'll die separated from God. We'll die separated from God and spend eternity separated from God. But here's what God did because God loves us, God bridged that gap through the person of his son, Jesus. And Jesus came and he lived a perfect life, and he died a perfect death, and three days later, Jesus Christ came back from the dead so that you and I can have eternal life. That is good news. That's good news. But here's what I also know about that good news. That good news is very controversial. That good news is really controversial. I mean, have you ever tried to talk to some family or friends about Christianity and they get really angry? Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to a lot of people, right? Why? Because this is controversial. Because, listen, the gospel is just as controversial today as it was in Jesus' day. People walked around hating Jesus, and it's one of the reasons Jesus got killed, because what Jesus said was so controversial. Let me just give you an example. John chapter 14, verse 6, I think it might be on the screen behind me. It says this, and this is Jesus, and he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through who? Me. Except through Jesus. That is controversial. Because today was just like it was when Jesus' day. Yeah, there's been a lot of advancements since Jesus' day, but people had a lot of the same beliefs and philosophies and worldviews. People in Jesus' day were exactly the way they are in all day. in our day, where people think you can believe whatever you want to believe, and as long as you're sincere in that belief, in the end you go to heaven. You might think, and maybe you have friends who think all religions essentially say the same things, or that when people die, everyone just goes to heaven no matter what you worship, or as long as your good outweighs your bad, everybody goes to heaven. But just this thought that what Jesus says here, that he's the only way to be saved, because Jesus says, I'm not a way, I am the way. The only way anybody can connect, can be connected with God, Jesus says, is through him. So many people hear that and you might be one of them and that just ticks you off. There is no way that's true. There can't be just one way. It, it has to be true that every way leads to the same place. You, can, As long as your good outweighs your bad, listen, Mark, it can't be true that there's only one way to heaven. How bigoted and dumb do you have to be, Mark, to believe that there's only one way to heaven? It can't be that way. That's not true. And let me tell you where your problem is there. See, because it ticks a lot of people off, and maybe you're one of them, maybe you have friends that get ticked off, that Jesus makes exclusive claims. It's his way or no way. And make no mistake about it, some of you might be here and say, well, listen, Mark, I disagree with you. You're not disagreeing with me. I didn't say it first. Jesus did. Jesus said it first. But say, I don't like that. I don't like that. What ticks me off is that Jesus makes these exclusive claims. And listen to me, here's where the problem is. Everybody makes exclusive claims. The moment that anybody says to you or to anybody else, there's no way there can only be one way. There has to be all kinds of ways. What are they saying? It's my way or no way? So the backwoods preacher that you watch on TV that you think you're smarter than, and he says stuff like what I'm dropping right now, and you think, he's so dumb, there's absolutely no way there's one way. As long as you're sincere, everybody goes to the same place. It's got to be that way. You're doing the same thing that ticks you off. Because everybody makes exclusive claims. See... Jesus doesn't leave this up to debate for us. He didn't say this and then say, but listen, listen, if you don't like that, I mean you just you just choose what to believe. He doesn't say, it. he just says it and then we walk, and then we're either gonna believe it or we're gonna deny it. So it doesn't come down to do you like what Jesus is saying here or not? Here's what it comes down to Did Jesus Christ really come back from the dead? Did Jesus Christ really come back? From the dead. Because listen, if Jesus is still dead, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4 says that if Jesus is still dead, our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Meaning, listen, guys, if the resurrection didn't happen, if Jesus is really still dead, it doesn't matter how inspirational you find the Bible or how much you like the band at Summit, if, if Jesus is dead, this is worthless. Shut it down and let's go home. But if he's alive, that changes everything. See, I want you to know that the resurrection of Jesus is the most verified event in the ancient Near Eastern world. I want you to know that the resurrection of Jesus, it takes more faith to deny the resurrection of Jesus than it does to believe in the resurrection of Jesus because the evidence is so overwhelming. I'll just give you a couple of examples. There are tons of people who were never even Christians but alive in Jesus' day that wrote about the resurrection. A a Jewish historian named Josephus never gave his life to to Jesus, was never a Christian, but wrote about how he knew Jesus came back from the dead and it changed a lot of people's lives. You can read tons of non-believers who were alive there that said yeah that really did happen but I'm telling you the best place to go and see if Jesus really did come back from the dead is the Bible Well, you say, well, of course you're going to say that. You're a preacher. You're supposed to talk about the Bible. Listen, here's why the Bible's the best place to know if it happened or not. Because today, we live in a world that says the Bible's filled with errors, it's filled with myth, people just made it up. Listen, if the Bible was simply a made-up myth, it would have never made it out of the world that it was originally written in. Because there are things in this Bible that even the people who wrote the Bible, when they were writing it, they were saying to themselves, I can't believe I'm putting this in there. Nobody's going to believe this. I'll give you some examples. The first people to find that the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive were women. In the ancient world, we don't believe this, I'm not telling you this is good, I'm just telling you this is what they believe. In the ancient world, women were the equivalent of dogs. There should be no amen from the fellas there, okay? That'd be weird, weird, y'all. You'd be sleeping on the couch until Jesus comes back, okay? But in in the world that Jesus lived, women were the equivalent of dogs, and everything a woman said was a lie. The first people to find that the tomb was empty were women. Do you know the tremendous pressure that the biblical authors were under to take that out? You can't leave that in there. If you want people to believe this message, you can't leave that women find him first and that women spread the news. Why didn't they take it out? Why didn't they change it? Because it happened, and it had to be told that way. You can fast forward a few weeks after that, and when the Apostle Peter preaches the very first sermon in the history of Christianity, he preaches it at a celebration in Jerusalem called Pentecost. Thousands of people are in Jerusalem for this festival. You can think the black gold, but without fried Oreos. And some of you will get that later. And thousands of people are there. Peter preaches the first sermon in the history of Christianity. His whole sermon is about this Jesus was dead, now he's alive, and he can save your soul. Do you know where Jesus was buried? Jerusalem. If somebody wanted to prove that Peter was wrong, all they had to do was go down the street to where Jesus's tomb was. Why couldn't they prove Peter wrong? Why couldn't they stop Christianity from turning the world upside down? I'll tell you why. Because it happened. And after that, Peter and all of the original disciples are killed for their faith. Some are tortured to death. Why did they endure such things? Because they knew they had seen the resurrected Jesus. Summit, I'm just going through this because I want you to know what we have in this Bible and what we talk about every single week and what Rick and the band do a tremendous job leading us and singing about every single week. This is true. This is true. If you don't feel like it's true, you don't believe that it's true, it's true nonetheless. Believing it, not believing it, doesn't change the fact that historically there was a man named Jesus Christ who lived in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago and he lived 33 years and then he found himself dying on a cross for the sins of the world and three days later he came back from the dead. And it is true. The gospel is true. The Bible is true. It is true that you do not have to spend your life covering your tracks. It is true that you can be freed from guilt and shame and from your past and from the thing that you did last night. And the reason that it's true is because the gospel of Jesus is true. It is true. And so, and so, and so, because it's true, there are at least two things that's true about every Christian in the room because the gospel is true. I don't care if you feel what I'm about to say, whether you, whether you woke up on the right side of the bed in order to really agree with this, you drank the appropriate amount of coffee. If you're a Christian, there are at least two things true about you right now that I want you to see out of verse 9. And if you're not a Christian today, I want you to know that by the time we're done in just a few minutes, these things can be true about you. You're not here by accident. You didn't just come on the day that the air conditioner wasn't working. You find yourself in that seat because God wanted to speak to you today. And there are at least two things that are true for every Christian in the room, and two things that can be true about you if you're not a Christian today. So, because the gospel is true, it is true. Number one, I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I I want you to be able to say this about yourself. I want you to to live in these realities, all right? The first thing that John tells us, I am forgiven. I love what he says in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, let's be honest for just a moment. That sounds a little too easy, doesn't it? So, So, God, you're telling me, wait a minute, you're telling me that if I confess my sin, you'll just Forgive me. See, we read that and we say that, and, and, but secretly in our minds we're doing this. It can't be that easy. Surely when I drop the ball, God wants to hold a grudge a little bit. Surely when, when I mess up, when I mess up and I confess the same thing to God that I've confessed to God a thousand times, Surely there comes a point when God looks at me after I after I confess the same thing over and over and over. Surely there's a point where God looks at me and says, Whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. I heard you say that five minutes ago. You're gonna do it again in ten minutes. I'm God, I know these things. Surely when we sin, surely when we sin, God just dangles it over our heads. We think this is too easy. We sin, and he just forgives me when I confess it. The reason we have such a hard time with that is because that's exactly what you and I do when we have to forgive somebody, isn't it? Somebody hurts us. Somebody offends us. They do something to us. What do we do? We like to dangle it over their head a little bit, don't we? Wives, husbands, have you ever done this with each other? They do something. They say, I'm sorry. Yeah, I bet you're sorry. Was you sorry when you did it last week? You're going to be sorry when you sleep on that couch, right? Right? Or, or have you ever noticed somebody hurts our feelings? What do we like to do? We like to have these imagination scenarios going through our head where we put them in place. Have you noticed this? Right? We like to run those scenarios through our mind where we get the last word and we throw them down on the mat and body slam because I'm tough in my imagination. Right? We like to do that stuff. That's what we do. And we think, oh, I do that. God probably does that. But here's what you need to know. God is not like any of us. In fact, God says in the book of Isaiah, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. What does he mean? He means I'm real different than you. I'm really different than you. The way that God forgives you is different than anything you've ever experienced. See, God's forgiveness means that he never dangles it over our heads. God's Forgiveness means that you can confess the same thing to God a thousand times over and over every day until you die or Jesus comes back. And every time you confess that same thing, what's he do? He instantly forgives. God's forgiveness means that he's never going to bring it up again. The Bible says that he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. There is nothing as overwhelming as the forgiveness of God. And the reason it's so overwhelming is because God overwhelmed our sin on the cross when Jesus took every bit of our sin to the cross. So listen to me. If you're here today, you're here today, man, you're trying to cover your tracks. You're thinking you're in something you hope nobody finds out. God is saying, here's what you do. Don't hide it from me confess it to me because summit you answer this question when we confess our sins to god to god he is faithful and just to what forgive us i have people tell me all the time mark i did something i hope god never finds out really he's god right did you know that you are never going to shock god by anything you confess to him Right, you are never going to go to God. God, you will not believe what I did last night. And then God is in heaven looking at Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the angels. Oh my gosh! So dirty. I can't I can't even handle it. I'm out, I'm out. Angels, you take that. Oh, whoa, that freaks me out. He's not shocked by anything because he's God, and here's what he's done he's taken all of the mess and sin that's in our lives on himself on the cross, so that when we confess it, he forgives. But see, I don't want you leaving today thinking that when it says, if we confess our sins to God, he'll forgive us. Don't leave today thinking, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I want to do, then tell God I'm sorry because he tells me, I'm, he, he tells me he'll forgive me. I'm going to live whatever, however I want to live. That's not what it means. Confession isn't simply telling God you're sorry. Confessing, the way that John's using it here, it means to agree with God about that situation. God, you're right. That was sin. That's going to destroy my family. God, you're right, that is sin. I can't look at that stuff anymore. God, you're right, that's sin. It might make me feel good, but it is going to ruin my life. God, forgive me for it. Confession is, it's it's the desire to be changed by God so that you won't do it again. You might do it again, but honest confession is to go to God saying, God, I hate this because you hate it. And listen, never stop confessing your sins to God that way. Not that we get saved over and over, but what sin does is sin blocks our relationship with God so that it damages and potentially ruins the fellowship that we can have with God. Listen, Christian, if you're here, the gospel has changed your life, you're forgiven. But if you're not, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you need to know everything I just talked about up to this point in your life is not true about you. It's not true that everybody is forgiven. How can I be forgiven? Confess my sin to God and ask him to forgive me and change my life. If that's never happened to you, today it can. In fact, I beg you, make today that day. But the first thing that's true about you, if the gospel has changed your life, you're forgiven. I'm forgiven. And the second thing that's true is I'm cleansed. I am cleansed cleanse. I love that he says this. He says, if we confess our sins to God, God is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us from what? Cleanse us from what? The guilt and shame that comes with sin. See, God hasn't just dealt with our sin. God has dealt with the stain that comes with our sin. Have you ever stained something? You ever got a stain maybe on your carpet, maybe on your favorite shirt, pair of pants? You ever stained anything? And when you stain something, every time you see that stain, what do you think about? How you got that stain, right? Some of you, you've got stains on your carpet, and now those stains are memories, right? I remember when the kids did that. I almost put them for sale on eBay when they first did that. Now, just brings back great memories, right? Right? Or you look at that stain, and you've tried to wash it out. You've tried to bleach it out. You've shot it with a bazooka, and the stain just won't go, right? You just can't get rid of the stain. See, here's what happens with sin. Sin always leaves a stain. And the stain of sin is guilt, shame, condemnation. Sometimes all three come. Sometimes it's just one. But here's the way that it works in our lives. We confess our sins to God, and God forgives us for our sin, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Listen to me, church. God does not deal in condemnation. God does not deal in guilt or shame or anything like that. So God forgives us for our sin and totally cleanses us, and he never brings it up again, but we bring it up again. Can't believe I looked at that website again. Can't believe I sent that text message again. I said I'd never do that, and I sent it again. Can't believe I made that decision. And we feel guilty, and we feel a lot of shame. And listen, if we don't bring it up, the devil will bring it up, won't you? And the devil will bring guilt this way. Can't believe you did that. Do you think that God loves you? Look how many times you've done that. Do you think that God can really use you? See, God forgives us for our sin, and he removes the guilt and the shame, but oftentimes we bring the guilt and the shame back, or the devil brings it back, and then here's what we think. God makes me feel bad. And so a lot of you, maybe you're doing something to cover your tracks and you feel bad about it, and really God is convicting you, wanting you to let it go, but here's the plan that you've made. You've already made an escape plan for how you'll slowly walk away from God and potentially even this church. Why? Because you feel guilty and you're convinced it's you. But listen, we need to understand the difference between, con- between condemnation and conviction. See, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction and God only deals in con- in conviction here's condemnation condemnation is always a dead end street condemnation always says this you did this you blew it you said you'd never do it again now there's no hope for you dead end street conviction says this you did this you have sinned and there is a way out and his name is Jesus confess it to God and God will forgive you condemnation is a dead end street conviction is the path to freedom and so what god does is god forgives us for our sin and he also cleanses us from the stain from the stain of sin he cleanses us from guilt he cleanses us from shame some of you it's not guilt and shame over something that you've done but it's something that someone has done to you and you feel dirty and you begin to identify yourself as dirty listen to me church every single time you or the devil brings up the stain of sin you tell yourself and you tell the devil that i am forgiven and i am cleansed because i have confessed that to god and he has forgiven me and he has removed the stain of sin it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you just did it it doesn't matter if you blew it this week it doesn't matter if you've confessed the same thing a thousand times when we confess it what does he do Forgives and cleanses. So you don't need to cover your tracks. See, some of you walked in today, and this is where you're at, and the band's gonna come and they're gonna play a song right now, and we're gonna celebrate this truth. But some of you walked in today, and you are burdened by the weight of guilt. That's all you think about is, is how guilty you are. So, you've heard this whole message, and this is what some, there's a lot of Christians in the room. This is what you've been thinking I'm forgiven, I don't feel forgiven. And the reason you don't feel forgiven is because you or the devil keeps bringing up the stain of sin. God isn't bringing it up. From God's perspective, it's under the blood and done with. How about instead of bringing it up, you live in the status of being forgiven and cleansed? But you walked in today feeling crushed. By the weight of your guilt, some of you you walked in today, and you are so burdened by something you hope you're, you hope nobody finds out that you've done or you're doing. You've went to some big steps to cover your tracks. You've deleted emails. you've made up stories. You've made up some other lies to back up those stories that you have made up, and you're having a hard time keeping all this stuff together. And it's weighing you down, and I'm telling you, you can be free from it today. Some of you, you walked in, and you're being crushed by the weight of feeling dirty because somebody did something to you. They should have never done it, but here you are, years removed, and it still impacts you like it just happened. And God wants you to know you can be cleansed from that. You, you walked in today feeling guilt, feeling shame. You walked in today trying to cover up your tracks of something you have done or you, are do, or you are doing, and I just want you to know I've got good news today. The good news is that the gospel of Jesus forgives and cleanses today. The gospel of Jesus, because it is true, it means that for every man, woman, and child in the room right now, your chains are gone. In Jesus, you are free. You don't have to try to be free. You don't work for freedom. You work from freedom because you are forgiven. You are cleansed. And I think we should celebrate that. Amen? Amen. I think you should get fired up about that. I think the devil wants you to not hear this message. I think you've been telling yourself this isn't for you, but on the authority of Jesus' name, because he really is alive, I want you to know this is for you today. You're forgiven if you confess it to Him. You've been cleansed under His blood, and your chains are gone. So I want us all to stand up, and we're going to sing that. We sing about His amazing grace, and I want us just to sing through that line, through that truth, two times there, that our chains are gone. And I want you to sing it. You lift your hands if you need to, but I want you to sing it as if it's true for you, because it is or it can be that your chains are gone. Let's sing it this morning as they lead us this morning jing Thank you for the gospel. The gospel can break into the darkest of hearts and the gospel can break into lives that everybody else looks at and maybe they think there's no hope. The gospel can break into a situation that we hope nobody knows about. The gospel can free us from the darkest things that enslaves us. And so, Father, I pray right now, I pray right now, you would not let us be held back by worrying what other people think. I pray right now you'd help us to be real and you'd help us to be honest because I think that you're speaking to some people here today. I think you're speaking to some people about things in their life. It's time to confess and let go of and move on. I think you're you're speaking to some people today and, and maybe they've been running from you and it's time to come back. I think you're speaking to people maybe they've been trying to cover up and the reality is they can live the freedom of confession summit with every head bowed and with every eye closed i wonder if god spoke to anybody today i wonder if god spoke to you about maybe an issue in your life maybe something that it's time for you to confess it's time for you to time for you to deal with it's time for time for you to let go of something in fact if you're here today with every head bowed and with every eye closed here's what i would say to you If you're here today and God has spoken into your life and said, you know what, it is time to stop covering your tracks. It's time to deal with this issue in your life. It's time to confess it and begin to live in the freedom that can only come when you confess it so that God can forgive you and cleanse you. If God's dealt with you about an area like that in your life today, would you just simply raise your hand to say he's spoken to you like that? Raise your hand right now if that's anybody in the room. Hands are going up. I see hands in the middle. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hands over there? Listen, here's what I want us to do. In the book of James, it says that when we confess our sins to one another, there is healing. And I'm telling you, there is power when you look somebody in the eye and say, man, I need you to pray for me about this. I'm telling you, church, there is power when you look at somebody. And in a moment of honesty and courage you say man I need prayer about this in my life and so here's what I'm going to ask you to do it's time to drop the pride summit it's time to get real it's time to be honest nobody in this room has to act like we're all pretty we've got it all together Jesus exposed all of us when Jesus took all of our sin on the cross and if you're here today and something in your life I'm telling you has been holding you back you've been struggling with something there are people in the, in the back of the room right now that want to talk to you encourage you. And if you are standing right now and you are thinking to yourself, man, I need to pray with somebody. I, I, I need encouragement. If God's leading you right now saying, hey, go back there right now and you need somebody to pray with you. If there's something in your life, man, you need to talk somebody about, here's what I want you to do. Make your way out of the aisle and go right now. Go right now. You want freedom from that thing in your life? I'm telling you, listen, freedom comes from bringing it into the light how can you bring it into the light once you confess it to somebody what if you went to the back of the room right now and said hey man I'm not doing well I need you to pray for me about an area I need you to pray with my family about an area if that's you right now make your way out of the aisle and go to the back you just go just go but I believe there's some of you here today and maybe you're here and God's been speaking to you and today's the day that he wants you to ask him to forgive you for the first time Come into your life and change it. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today, I invite you right there where you stand to pray a prayer just like this. Silently, this is between you and God. But if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, just pray. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. Save me. Make me new. Help me to live for you to the best that I can. From this moment on If you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, I just want you to raise your hand. just want you to raise your hand. Nobody is looking. doesn't matter anyway. But as soon as I say three, if you made the decision to give your life to Jesus or if you want to be forgiven by God today for the very first time, as soon as I say three, you raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now if that's you. You raise your hand right now. And listen, if that's you just invite you to do the same thing. Make your way out of the aisle. Make your way towards the back and talk to somebody about what God is doing in your life right now. Father, I thank you. Thank you for the the gospel. Thank you for the power that's in the gospel. I thank you that there's forgiveness in the gospel. I thank you that there's cleansing in the gospel. So God, I pray that when we leave in just a moment, we know our chains are gone. God, give us strength and power not to run back to those chains again. And God, if we find ourselves in those chains again, help us to live in the freedom of confession, to confess it and know that you'll forgive and cleanse. God, we love you. Thank you that you're a forgiving God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Summit, can we celebrate the gospel this morning and thank God for what he's done here today. And listen, before we let you go, just want to remind you, if you're a first-time guest, why don't you hit that first-time guest table on your way out, returning guest, visit the Next Step booth, Our guest service volunteers are going to be all over this auditorium to collect connection cards. Fill those out and drop those in the baskets as you guys leave today. Hey, love you guys. We'll see you guys next week. You're dismissed. Love you guys.